0: Guys, welcome to the Ground Floor Podcast, the podcast where we are successful people exactly how they did it. Our guest this week is a very special one. We have Zach Abel, an international table tennis professional who dropped that life to become an internationally acclaimed singer-songwriter. He's worked with the likes of Saweetie, Gorgon City, Kaigo, and his new track with Alan Walker, Endless Summer, is currently the number one sound on the whole of TikTok. So more important than any of that, he's also one of my best friends. Zach, it's great to have you here. It's thanks great to be here. on. No, thanks for being here. So this has been such a long time in the making.
1: Yeah, I've been I've been putting it off uh, for so
0: long. I knew you were a diva, obviously. So I was like, let's 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 kind of get that in the diary as soon as we can. Um, all right. So, dude, obviously, I know like a lot of the stuff about your story because I've known you. But for people that don't know, start from the beginning. So you were a table tennis pro. You played for England. I did.
1: Yeah. Um, from nine to fifteen, that was my that was my thing. Um, i thought that's what i was going to do for the rest of my life um i was ranked number one in england for my age group wait, wow. you, as
0: in, wait hang on you were the number one table tennis player in the whole of the country i was the number one table tennis player in the whole of the country for
1: my age group yeah yeah i reckon i was probably at my peak top 10
0: in the country wow for
1: for any human wow. being at such a young age country.
0: as well that's, that's not i played after school so you know you're not bad but i yeah <laughs> okay so you dropped table tennis. I did. Why did you stop?
1: So I I moved to France to, to play kind of professionally for a French team when I was about 15. Um, I did my exams a year early so I could take a gap year uh, when I was 15, moved to France, and I was training maybe six hours a day, five five hours a day, six days a week, something like that. And it was really, really difficult and I kind of saw the lifestyle of what it would take to be a professional. I was also training with professionals and seeing their lifestyle and realizing it it doesn't really get much better than what I was experiencing (laughs) then. And also at the same time, um, I'd completely fallen in love with music. Um, I started writing songs when I was about 14 and I was out in France on my own and whenever I'd come back to London, I'd always record YouTube videos just for fun. And um, those YouTube videos got noticed by um, someone who knew someone in the music industry, and and then that that someone was a, a manager, and so and that happened a few times. So a few managers got in touch with me and said, oh, "I'd like to manage you, and we think you've you've got something." Um, Is that you- common? Of interest as a way to sort of enter that industry because i don't know much
2: about the music industry so i'm just curious to know if that's a way if that's a typical way in for example I think back
1: then youtube was the way yeah. um now it's probably more like TikTok yeah. or instagram yeah. um but yeah youtube was was the one back then um that's what and to justin bieber
0: isn't it as well yeah you yeah. put a video on youtube yeah. and then yeah
1: and... i'd say anyone with the birthday that justin bieber has which is march the first is, is destined for greatness it's a bold statement. When's your birthday, is Yeah, yeah I'm just curious. March
2: 1st. <laughs> <Yeah>, funny that. <laughs> yeah, funny Wait,
1: that. You, have this, you and Justin Bieber <laughs> have the same birthday? We do, yeah. yeah. That's crazy. <laughs> okay. um, but yeah, so I, I started working with these managers, and um, they put me in some uh, co-writing sessions, and then I found uh, that it had been sent to someone at Atlantic Records, and then they wanted to sign me. Um, I'd actually stopped table before this, but as, as soon as I got approached by managers, that's when I realized ah, oh, I think
0: actually I want to do this more mm. and I was just writing songs in my spare time like yeah. all the time just kind of some kind of to bring that down mm. managers reaching out to you how did that feel amazing um i think it's just massive validation you know
1: to to say that ah, oh, someone who actually knows about the music industry thinks you're good and is down to spend their time working with you like that's a huge mm. a huge bit of validation mm. right there and um and yeah I think it coincided with me being so motivated to mm. start music and see where
0: that where that led. So then they bring a record deal to the table.
1: That was when I was 17,
0: yeah. Yeah, so that's like every kid's dream, I'm yeah. sure. What yeah. how just please go into that because that's insane. I was I was just like I've made it. <laughs> I have made it. I, <laughs> I've, completed I've, it. I've I've done. <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah, completed, yeah. Um which obviously is so far from the truth, but like, yeah, it, it was an amazing, amazing opportunity, and and it led to me being able to have a career in music, and you know, having a record label that was investing in me and allowing me to to develop and work with people, find my sound. Um, I think, you know, thinking back on it, I was probably one of the last artists on a on a major, a major label, major record label to be allowed that period to develop and yeah. and find themselves um i think right now things are a lot more competitive and you need to already have a following you need to already have music out there and hype around you and i certainly didn't i, I think i've written about three songs and the only people who were really into me were um people who went to the archers wine bar um yeah but some, exactly um yeah that that, that that was a an amazing opportunity and i think uh it, it it was exactly what I needed at the time. And when you get signed, what what do you get in return for that record deal? How's it sort of structured? So normally, when you sign a major record deal, um, it you have an advance, so they give you some money so that you don't have to get a job while you're okay. working on your album, um, and then a typical split will be eighty percent to them and twenty percent to you. Oh wow! And that's pretty much okay. standard. In every major label deal Um, that's so much higher than I I would have thought okay yeah but but then at the same time they are taking a massive risk on you um, that's true because you know you don't have any evidence to suggest that without them you would make it Mm. Um, I think the more success you have prior to signing with a major maybe the more favorable terms you can get Um, and normally they'll be either structured per single so you'd get an advance single or it's per album so for me it was per album and it was uh, it was exactly it was the right thing to do at the time um, because I was able to work with producers who I'd never heard of um, would have never come into contact with had I not uh, been working with uh, Atlantic Records and and the A and R, especially a guy called Joe Barb, um, who put me in contact with some incredible people um, like Joker, like Tom Mish, Karma Kid, uh, Kate Trinada, um, Stuart Zender. Yeah, just lots and lots of amazing, talented people. Um, and those are the ones that I did work with. Those and actually the music came out. There are so many amazingly talented people who I also worked with, but the music didn't come out. And that was yeah it was an amazing opportunity
0: to someone who's maybe in the same position you were in back then let's say there's a kid who's got you know the same kind of thing 17 18 years old Mm -hmm. been scouted um and they've got a record deal on the table with everything that's happening now with people being discovered on tiktok and everything else would you still recommend someone in that position to sign with a major
1: i think if you really need the money right there and then so you can focus on what you're doing it might be worth it um Someone always said to me, think of a, a record label as a magnifying glass for what you're already doing. They they can, they can accentuate what you're already doing, but don't rely on them
0: to do the thing for you, because they won't do it. What was the first song that you ever recorded?
1: The first song I ever recorded was a song called Haze that I wrote when I was 14. And I wrote it because I was in a bit of a crossroads between... Um, staying at a school called UCS uh, which is where we actually know each other from um, I was on a full bursary to go there and it's a great school and um, the other choice was to pursue table tennis and either go to a school in Sheffield which was near the um, the National Table Tennis Center or go to a school in, in Harefield where my coach was. Um, both of those the education wasn't as good as UCS um but i was not allowed to go and compete in tournaments uh as much as i would have liked if i was at UCS so they kind of gave me a, an ultimatum where they were like if you want to pursue table tennis you can't really be at this school um obviously we'd love you to stay but you know you have to make a decision and at 14 that was a really big weight on my shoulders um And so I wrote about the feeling that I was experiencing, which was this haze, this mental haze. I remember feeling really depressed and anxious um, in that moment, and my response to that was to disassociate. And so I felt this like haze um, in my mind because I couldn't make a decision. Um, And writing about that experience was so cathartic and so useful because, you know, I guess that that was just my my release, and and people liked the song, and then I would get the validation from other people where it's like, ah, oh, this thing that I was going through is actually entertaining for other people, and they're impressed by it. And I was like, wow, that's really interesting. Wait, so I can I can talk about my feelings and express myself, which feels good to me, but then also other people. Some people, especially who don't even know me, will listen to the song and they like it and they can relate to the lyrics and I quite like this. This, this, let's see where this goes. And so then I started writing more songs. And
0: so Hayes was the first song you wrote. Mm -hmm. Did you record it? Yeah. How old were you when you recorded it? Fourteen. And do people? Is that out there? Can people listen to that?
1: no um i need to i <laughs> would need to... You,
0: would you put that out
1: definitely i yeah. would want to hear that and yeah. i feel
0: like your fans would want to hear that too yeah
1: i, I wonder if, if i can even still find it if i could. recorded it on a like a tascam like analog thing at yeah. home with me layering all the instruments with no metronome either
0: okay. so it's all out of time wow yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah just that would be a cool little gem. I'd like, to, I'd like to find that, yeah. Yeah, you should. It would be. Yeah, would be. So, okay, you signed uh, You signed the deal. Signed the deal. You're now signed to a record label. <laughs> so it's like, take us through that journey. So day one, so you're like, you know, you have the meeting, you pop the champagne or whatever. Yeah. Um, and, you know, everyone's like, oh my God, my life's going to change forever. Yeah. Wake up the next day. So day one of now being signed to a record label, what happens? What's that process?
1: They put me in the studio, um, allowed me to record a load of demos and that was great. Um, and... I was convinced that I was, you know, this the greatest songwriter of all time, um, and the greatest singer of all time and you know, just uh, just wanted to do things my way and then slowly but surely I was kind of convinced that actually my songs could be better if I opened myself up to collaboration and worked with, you know, other songwriters and and producers and and that was a that was a difficult process because I think the re- when you start anything you get confidence and and you think you're you're good and you need that confidence and it's almost arrogance to 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 think that you know what i'm doing something which is worth other people's attention like every time you step on stage subtly you have to be thinking what i'm doing is good or like imagine if you went on stage being like i'm not sure i'm any good and i'm i'm not sure if i'm worthy of these people's time and there's 50,000
0: people staring at you yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. like it's it's going to it's not going to be very good, not, you know, you know, they're going to feel that yeah. so you need to you Body need it. to have that arrogance to say What I'm doing is mm. worth your attention. Yeah, yeah, and I think I had Loads of that when I first <laughs> started too much of that. Yeah. I wasn't interested in but, anyone but to opinion. be fair
0: to that like I feel like if you're 17 years old mm. and you get signed to Atlantic Records I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know anyone. It yeah, would go to a lot of house. dude. Yeah, if to I was Lurie, signed yeah, to Atlantic yeah. Records at 17, I'd walk in a room like I'm fucking. You'd be jumped. unbearable. You'd be. Actually be yeah, unbearable. yeah, you would be. Yeah. If you got signed to Atlantic <laughs> Records at
2: 17, get out, everyone. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Dude, I'm, I, I wouldn't even walk in rooms. I'd be kicking door rooms yeah. over yeah, just yeah, like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so fair enough. It, it's good to be like you're. You're quite self reflective. Yeah. In yeah. general, but I think that's quite a self reflective thing to say. Yeah. To be like, yeah, I did think I was the shit.
1: I did. Um, and then slowly but surely I realised my songs could be better. Yeah. And so I started on this journey of, of working with other people and trying to learn what I could from them and trying to get my songs better. And also I had this idea of what, you know, the production should be like, but absolutely no idea how how to do it. Like and, and you know, what what that sounds like and what the process is there. So I also had to open my my, my mind up to, you know, what the production could be and a lot of those things were quite counterintuitive so my inspirations at the time were like Adele, Paolo Nuttini, Maverick Sabre and yet the label were like ah yeah you could do that but why don't we instead put you with this guy called Joker who is like a dubstep producer and I was like all right yeah let's try it and so I started working with this guy who's, who's uh, from Bristol. So I like went to Bristol and just, yeah, we made like four tunes on an EP together of all different genres. And it was, it was amazing because it opened my eyes to, okay, like I can do a garage tune. I can do an R&B tune. I can do like a, I suppose like a dubstep sound production in, in some of my music. And, and that was really key to open my mind to okay you can you can do songs in different directions and
0: and it's more interesting when you do something which doesn't quite make sense was there any sort of conflict being signed to a major label with them kind of pushing you to maybe be more of a pop artist because i feel like that probably you know you get a younger looking guy with a good voice you know you can kind of you can see you on like a teen boy band kind of magazine cover was there any pressure to be like let's make him like the new but the new one not at the start thing. no it was, in fact it was the opposite Right. so
1: they were like we want you to work with the guys who have done like James Blake stuff with, with James or, or um, we want you to do the absolute opposite of that especially at the start it, from, for them to their credit it was more about doing something which was credible and interesting and I'm really grateful f- for that because um, you know I was able to work with like Tom Misch, for example uh, Kate Granada which you know are probably t- two of the most difficult people to get in the studio with if some pop kid wanted to work with them. They'd just be like, nah, no chance. Yeah. Um, so actually me doing the first EP with Joker was genius because it set me up in a world where not many people can, mm. can inhabit. Yeah. Um, where I felt the pressure was after that. So this was when I was maybe 19, 20. Um, I felt this this pressure uh, from the label where they're like, you know what, if you want to be Tom Mish, that's cool, but you can't you can't really do that here at Atlantic Records. That like their business model doesn't really cater for that. It's either Tom Mish or Bruno Mars. Yeah. Like we're we're like a Bruno Mars kind of setup. So going back to your thing originally of like, if you were advising someone, you know, would you want to sign to a major? It depends what kind of music you want to make. If you're someone like tom mish who mixes his own stuff produces his own stuff and does exactly what he wants to do nah doesn't make any sense mm. um because you you need that creative control mm. and you want to do it your way so for me i was like okay whoa what do i want um and that's when i felt this pressure to think about what kind of artist i actually wanted to be And and the truth was and still is I wanna just connect with human beings and do it in the most open way possible. Like, I, I, I'm i not really concerned with being cool. Um, I, I don't care about, you know, impressing people in that way. For me, I just wanna connect with human beings regardless of what kind of music you listen to. For me, I'm always gonna make stuff that's soulful because I just love soul music. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, it's just about, you know, connecting with people all around the world and so that was kind of where I went from there I'm like okay well in order to do that how can I how can the music sound like something which a lot of people are are down to to hear and are willing to accept it in that way and so I had to rethink songwriting and study uh like pop music and be like okay why is it that these melodies Human beings seem to gravitate towards, mm. and these ones they don't. Why is it that these ones have two hundred million streams? Like these songs have two hundred yeah. million, and these ones only have two hundred thousand. Um, and so yeah, I studied songs. Um, I'd play them on piano. I'd learn uh, when it comes to a melody, is it the third or the fifth in in the in the scale? Um, what about the syncopation? How they're mixing it up in the song? Um,
0: what about the lyric? You know, is it a broad lyric or is it very very specific? It's funny because you can hear that, especially in your new, in your newer sound. You really can hear you do have like a dancey element on some songs, but you have really it doesn't feel like a a pop song. It feels like it's got soul to it. It's got a character to it, which is really interesting because I mm. think I've always felt that when I listened to it, but then hearing you say it, I'm like, of course that makes sense. It's got a kind of dancey more mainstream i guess element but it doesn't feel like a mainstream song it feels like it's raw and it's like genuine that's why do you say dancey i think dancey because of well i think not all music but i mean in terms of songs like dance with you Mm. um songs that kind of have a more four by four rhythm underneath them okay um they kind of make you more inclined to move like woman i have that like it's not Mm -hmm. a dance tune i don't see it as a dance tune Mm -hmm. but like it makes me want to just it's got a good groove to it. Yeah, for you. Um, that that's more of a production thing, though.
1: What mm. what I'm talking about is just the the bare bones of the song. So, like, right. if you were to strip it back to piano and vocals, what is the like? If you if you were to see it written out, like I can't read music, but if you were to write out just that bit, mm. what would it look like? And it's crazy when when you when you study pop songs, like the similarities that they all have. Um, for some reason, human beings love thirds. And fifths or firsts firsts in, in a chord. They don't really gravitate towards sevenths, ninths, and elevenths right. as much. As much, um, I love sevenths, ninths, and elevenths because I love song, jazz, and funk music, right, where that's way
0: more common. Um, how much does that play into your writing now? Like when you're writing a song, how much of it do you think these chords might get more listeners, but these chords are more in the vein of what I'm feeling? I think it, it it's just that it's a
1: lot more conscious now like I'm because I understand it more I'm able to to make the decision. I, I understand what I'm doing. Um like there's a tune on my album called Love Over Fear and there's a bit in the in the in the pre-chorus it's like when i feel like i'm in you know what, and my world isn't safe anymore. That's like a super jazzy note. I know it is. And I know probably, you know, someone who's not into jazzy stuff, who just listens to the charts, they're not really going to be into that. Mm. But I want it. I, that's what I want the note to be. So it's a conscious decision. I know exactly what I'm doing. Probably if, if I played it to like an A&R, a major label, and in fact, my own A&R did tell me, why don't you change it to this note? It will be catchier. Mm. I was like, nah, that's not the song for that. Mm. If you want to do a single, cool make every single change to like oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. just get have the vehicle mm. be more effective for you know who you're, who the listener is right but for this song i didn't want to do that and i think it is it's just about like taking taking
0: ownership of the bit
1: which i can control which is the songwriting element mm.
0: right so talking about songwriting obviously you made an album when you were signed to atlantic i did make an album what's the process of making an album what does that look like
1: so, I think for any artist, the I- the idea of their first album is both exciting and extremely daunting. Because you're like, bloody hell, like, an album? That's, like, really serious, right? This is a big, big deal. And it is. But equally, it's just a collection of 10 to 12 songs, right? That you like and have some sort of cohesion. Or no cohesion, depending on, like, what your creative decision is. Um, I... I was in a really, really interesting position when it came around to my first album. So I'd been given this chat about how I needed to be either Bruno Mars or Tom Mish. I decided I want to be Bruno Mars. And so I was like, okay. Why? Because I want to reach more people. I want to connect with more people. I'm not concerned about being cool. Mm. And so because of that, the type of music I wanted to make was more broad and better in a in a broad sense mm. if that makes
0: sense um, did you, know. you get did you get any hate for that like around yeah.
1: that time yes I, I remember I, I, I like showcased the album um, at like a listening party and there was this one girl who's like look I really love the the first two EPs but this stuff's too pop for me yeah. I'm not really I'm not really vibing with it and I had to be willing to be like okay that that I, I get that was there ever a moment where you questioned your decision to go down that definitely, road? Definitely, definitely. Because, you know, whatever you do, someone's not going to like it. So it's like, who are you going to let down? Mm. Slash who are you going to try and bring into your, mm. your circle? Mm. Um, so, yeah, making an album. Making an album. Um, I had a lot of this, you know, pressure on me to try to make something commercial. And what's really interesting is, and I'm sure if there's any musicians listening to this who are with major labels, or just anyone who, you know, or any any label, if you play them a song, sometimes they'll be like, "Oh yeah, it's a smash. It's big. It's you know." Or oh, this one, I'm not sure. It's I'm not sure it's a single. I'll say things like that, and that's so vague. It's so unbelievably not useful in helping you make something which they are going to be happy with surely they elaborate on that though right or do they not you think yeah i mean surely
2: you would not just leave it like that's not a single next no no
1: you (laughs) think that they'd be able to as they work in the music industry and it's it's unbelievable how on your own you actually are a lot of a lot of a and r's have the ability to know ah that's a hit but they don't necessarily know how to get there and -hmm. that was my experience i had to figure that out by myself um and that took
0: ages. It took an absolute age. Um, how many songs did you make? So, how many songs were on the album again? The first album was 10 songs. And how many songs did you make for the album? Probably 150. Fuck off. I'm serious. wow. Seriously? Yeah. You're not serious. I'm serious, yeah. You made 150 songs. Minimum.
1: It could be 200, 300. I mean, so like, many songs. But
0: is that like, when you say, are you talking about like you wrote a chorus? Nah, Full songs. Full, full songs. Get, Get out. It, yeah. I've written so many songs. Zach, you wrote wow. 150 songs? Yeah. <laughs> and 10 made it on the album? Correct. That's... in Okay, how yeah. do you... I mean, I know the artists typically will, you know, they have to whittle songs down. And yeah. How the fuck do you whittle down 150 songs to 10?
1: Well, the, the, the album was called Only When We're Naked. And so, for me, that was about being naked, being vulnerable. And so I chose the 10 songs that were most vulnerable to me. Um and ended up with those ten songs. Um but yeah, it, it was it was a it was also an interesting time because I'd spent so long writing those hundred and fifty yeah. to two hundred songs and each time the record labels, like spending money like on the studio costs. Um also for for all the time that it takes to make an album, they have to pay their staff. You know, so mm-hmm you need to be generating income, right? Mm-hmm. And I wasn't, because that wasn't my concern when I first started. I had to realize that as I, as I went on, you know, artists like Amy Winehouse, artists like Adele, artists like Paolo Nutini, that was the kind of reach that I wanted. Mm-hmm. Um, to, I wanted to, to be that type of artist, right? And so, so it's like, it's like okay, how, how do you do that now? Because back, back then, when, when they were releasing their first albums, the sound of pop music was basically anything that Egg White or Mark Ronson produced. It was that kind of live sound, um, and, you know, you had live bands. It was mixed in a certain way. But that wasn't the sound of pop when I was making my album. And so I was like, okay, what's the sound of pop? Like, what are the things that Radio One are playing? In this country so i was like okay let me let me analyze this so people from you know wherever they were in the world when they put their singles out the beat was so i was like okay well that's easy i can do that for they they also had lots of compression on their vocal and so I was, uh, I was like, yeah, well, I can do that as well. Um, a lot of the songs, you know, they had a, a really catchy chorus and they had a catchy pre-chorus and a catchy verse. So I was like, wow, okay, you need to be really ruthless with it in, in terms of, like, making sure there's no, you know, you're trimming all the fat on, on a song. And um, I just gave myself the task of completely forgetting everything I'd, I'd known about songwriting and who I thought I was as zach abel Um and just tried something new. I was like, okay, I've I've kind of come this far and made these types of songs, made 200 songs, the label don't like any of them and they don't want to release them. They have the final decision on that. Yeah, th- they have okay. the final decision. Yeah. I mean, they can't release anything without my permission, but and I couldn't release, release anything without this. Without this. Yeah. Of um and yeah, so I, I just kind of threw it all open. I forgot to say, my, my label just before I started the album said it would be cheaper for them to let me finish the album and put it out than it would be for them to drop me. Okay. Um, and, <laughs> Jeez. and at the same time, I had about three months worth of rent money and I was going deaf. You were going deaf? Yeah, I was, yeah. was going to touch on that. So <laughs> I was just in a crazy... I was in a crazy spot where I was like, I don't even know firstly if I'm going to be able to make music yeah. at this point going forward. And I've got no money. And I also i am not... I'm not the type of artist that I want to be right now. I want to reach more people and have the type of career that the people that I've idolized have. So I literally had to just go back to, you know, back to basics completely let go of this idea of who i thought it was and have this fuck it like i've got nothing to lose attitude also um good friend of mine tom tom duval um shout out tom shout out tom um he was an, an amazing influence on me during that time he was just you know i was really down about losing my hearing and he's like okay what can you do like what can you what do you have control of okay maybe you won't be able to make music forever but while you still can what's the attitudes you can have in that moment so that really helped i was like you know okay cool i'm just going to i'm i'm going to rock up on time to my writing sessions i'm going to be i'm just going to really try my best with like writing these songs which i, I feel like you know are saying what i want to say the lyrics are important to me but the vehicle that i'm going to get them to people in will be more in line with what they're used to hearing and want to hear right now on a you know on a broad scale all over the world so yeah i i I gave myself that task tom was super chill he was like um look uh, you should live with me like i'm I'm gonna move out and you should yeah come live with me and uh i want to live in this area And i'm like well that's like central london I, i don't think i can afford that and he's like okay what can you afford so i was like okay this is how much i can afford he's like okay cool pay that i'll pay the rest and like that was so helpful to me because it was like okay i've got like four months yeah, here yeah, yeah. right that's a proper friend that's a proper friend that's tom a proper is a great friend. guy shout out to tom. Yeah, yeah that's a proper friend so i was like okay
0: i've got about four months here before i run out of money <laughs> and and i have to move you know because that's also interesting because i think again and i didn't even know this until years later mm. when we when we spoke about it but a lot of people don't realize that they think you've signed a record deal and you're now you're worth like fucking half a million at twenty years old or so. It's not how it works. No, no, no. Like money was still a thing for you.
1: Yeah. When I was fuck it, I'll just say it. So when I was uh, seventeen, eighteen, I signed this this record deal. It was fifty thousand pounds, right? Obviously, you pay your your legal fees, which were I don't know five five grand, eight grand, something like that. Yeah. Then you pay your management twenty percent of that. So. That's like another eight grand. Are you paying tax on this as well? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so what's that? Uh, okay. Sixteen. So like you're left with like 34 k, yeah. um, and then that has to last you from the time, and it was that was for the album, right? I released two EPs before the album came out, so those don't count. Uh, so from seventeen to twenty one, I got paid thirty five thousand pounds. So four four years of income working every single day. What's what's thirty five divided by four that like I get like eight eight nine grand? Yeah, eight, nine okay, grand a year yeah. I was making in that time. Um and yeah, so I I was
2: I was broke. Can I ask um what the diagnosis was with relation yeah. to you going so so I've got autosclerosis.
1: Um which is the same thing that Beethoven had and Frankie Valli. It's it's essentially um, it's when the stapes bone gets overgrown and brittle and can't vibrate properly. So um, it's a progressive hearing loss. Uh, I had it in my right ear. I basically lost maybe sixty percent of my hearing, and it probably would have just carried on going down. Um, when I when I was twenty one, uh, I got I, I had an operation on it. Uh, which I thought was going to you know, sort out all, all my problems. And actually, it just fucked me up. Um, in what way? So they say you can normally go back to work after like four weeks of this, after the operation. I had like stuffing in my ear for like six weeks. So I couldn't go back to work as a singer because you've got stuffing in your ear, you can't hear anything. Take it out after six weeks. And I can't tell if I'm in tune or not. I can't hear pitch. And so I'm singing out of tune, can't tell where I'm at. And I'm supposed to be recording an album. You know, they've given me that it's cheaper to let you finish the album than to drop you spiel. And um, (laughs) I just felt so much pressure on me. Um, I got tinnitus 24-7 from it. Was it a case of you literally just woke up one morning and the hearing was gone in one ear? Uh, No, I think it, it, it happens really gradually um so i i was like sleeping on one side of the, the pillow and and there was roadworks outside where i was living and i noticed that if i slept on one side i could hear it and if i slept on the other i couldn't i was like what the hell's going on like if i got like earwax and uh and it wasn't it was
0: it was uh yeah otosclerosis in both my ears i know um this was like a really Really, sort of huge thing in your life, and I know that hmm. it really quite badly affects your mental health. Hmm. And I want—I wondered if you could maybe touch on that.
1: Yeah. So, I was just at a point where, like, I had, as we discussed, n- no money, <laughs> um, no qualifications because I dropped out of school. I'd stopped table tennis, so I wasn't going to be a table tennis player. And now, I can't hear anything. And what I what I then can hear after the operation is it's just messed up. I couldn't tell if i was in tune um and also any re- any like really loud noise was super painful so where I, whereas before i'd be on stage like singing my ass off with loud music i then couldn't do that because it was so painful and i'm just like what what the hell am i doing like what am i supposed to do here and also because of that i was really down and anxious about my future and yeah, depressed that you know i had to deal with this hearing stuff i thought i was going mad I was so unbelievably anxious all the time And I was just kind of at the end of my tether um, But yeah, a few amazing things happened One was was Tom being there for me and, and and being supported throughout that time The second thing was I I reached out to my old table tennis coach And I was like, I'm really, really struggling Like, I want to be successful But, you know, all these things are kind of standing in my way And, and he's like, who's in control of, of those things? Like who's in control? I was like, well, I am. He's like, can anyone do anything about this?" I was like, no. He's like, okay, so you're in control, right? I'm like, yeah. He's like, okay, you say you want to be successful, what, what, what does that mean? Like, what, what do you mean by that? I was like, well, I, I probably want like a, I don't know, I want to win a Grammy for an album. He's like, okay, how do you do that? I was like, oh, well, okay, I probably need to have like a number one single or something, to have a, Grammy this is what I thought at the time so and uh, he's like okay how do you do that so I'm like well it probably needs to be played on Radio 1 and stream well so I'm like okay how do you do that so I'm like oh well maybe I need to be working with uh, the producers who are getting the songs on Radio 1 he's like okay who are they so I was like okay well let me do some research okay I I found a few people and they seem to be kind of doing that, that sound it's like okay what, what are they playing on radio one so I like listen to all the songs and it's like what have they got in common it's like, okay yeah they're all like <laughs> and uh, there's some like auto tune on them as well and I was like this is actually great because I can't fucking sing in tune right now because my ears are <laughs> 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 so, and uh, the, the lyrics are meaningful the song's about something but it's broad anyone can understand it so like, okay and what about their social media well, well, all these people who seem to have like success in the music industry, they're 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 doing well on social media. They have a presence. Back then, I wasn't really posting. He's um, like, okay, well, what are they doing on social media? So I was like, oh, well, they're they're posting about you know them in the studio, them on tour, things that are going on in their lives. So I'm like, okay, I could do that. And uh, when are they posting? So I'd be like, oh, normally around six p.m. That seems to be when when their followers are online. I'm like, okay, maybe I could do that. And then suddenly from this like angst that I was feeling of, I want to be successful, but I'm also really struggling and like, I think I'm going mad. And it became something that I could do about that feeling. And a, a few thing, you know, a few habits that I could, you know, do instead. And, and that was amazing. It, 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 it turned this angst that I was feeling of there's, there's this thing which I want, which is completely out of my control. I think I'm going mad. I think I'm I'm losing my hearing. I'm losing my mind.
0: To okay, there's something I can do about that,
1: and that was massive.
0: Your brand new album is out. It is, and the reason I bring that up now is because it's called Love Over Fear, mm-hmm. and I think that's quite relevant to what you were just talking about. Yeah, 100%. why is it called Why is it called Love Over Fear? Because it's kind of been a mantra that I've I've had since since
1: all of that was happening. You know, there are so many fears that we we all experience um, in our lives and they stop us from doing things that we love they hold us back from pursuing our dreams Uh, it sounds so cheesy but it's true like I was scared that I was going to lose my hearing that I was just going to be depressed and anxious for the rest of my life and it almost stopped me from pursuing what I loved and luckily I had people around me who encouraged me and supported me through that difficult time to the point when I now can just do what I love and have the confidence to to do that, um, I think it's also about self love over the fears that you know we all feel about ourselves. Um, there is a song on the on the album called "Winging It," for example, um, which is all about how when you are younger and you have all these insecurities and doubts and fears, and you see these adults um, who seem to have their shit together you kind of hope that ah oh, when I become an adult, um, I'll have my shit together. Yeah. And then as you become an adult you realise no <laughs> yeah. one's going any- <laughs> to no one knows true. what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Um and yeah, so it's about, you know, loving yourself and and, and you know, realizing that everything is going to be okay. You are in control and it's quite a liber liberating feeling knowing that no one knows what they're doing. Um there's there's a, a lot of themes of kind of resilience as well um to kind of bounce back to do bounce back to doing what you love um when you have difficult times um and not giving into the fear that oh, it's not going to work out for me um there's a song called let me sing which kind of talks about that which again it's the first time i've i've spoken about anything to do with my hearing in music before i've always kind of been Too afraid to to speak out about that and also i was encouraged not to speak out about it when it was going on because we were scared that it would uh frighten the label uh, and they would then drop me um and so it's about it's about uh it's about my experience with hearing loss and how i was scared that i I wasn't going to be able to to sing anymore Mm. um and I think just putting it on the album and talking about it is a way of conquering that fear and, you know, focusing on, on, on you know,
0: that that was a part of what happened at the time. And that's okay. I don't want to take away too much from what you're saying, but I do think it's important. You've, you've had quite an interesting home life and I think mm. people should know about it. Um, can you touch on that for a second?
1: Uh, yeah, so... Um, I grew up just me and my mum. My dad passed away when I was 12. Um, my mum and dad were never really together. And uh, I have a very, very close relationship with, with my mum. She's such an inspiration to me. Uh, she, she's she got multiple sclerosis and it's just an absolute trooper with it. She's like, awesome. Yeah, she never lets
0: it hold hold her back. And Your yeah. mum is one of the most positive people I've met. Yeah. Like, no matter what she's going through, every single time I see her, she's always just, like, so friendly and happy, and it's amazing, man.
1: Yeah, thanks for saying that.
0: It's true. It's true. I wanted to touch on how money works in the music industry, because I think a lot of people don't know, and I think it's quite complicated, and I feel like I'm fairly well-versed in the music industry, and even I still get confused by it, so I think it Mm. would be really beneficial for people, things like, you know, publishing and tour and masters and all that kind of stuff.
1: Mm -hmm. Okay, so if you sign to a major label and you take an advance that advance is most likely going to be the only time you get paid from the masters on uh, like the income from masters. And do you want to explain what masters are? So yeah. there's basically two types of, of revenue when it comes to a piece of music, there is the master recording. So that is literally, you know, the thing that you hear on Spotify um, or Apple music or Deezer or Amazon. I, I love you all equally. Um, thanks for playing my music. Uh, and yeah, it's the recording. And then the publishing is the songwriting. So a way I normally explain it is like, if I I cover uh, The Way You Make Me Feel by Michael Jackson, I'll own the master. And Michael Jackson, his estate, will own the publishing. If Michael Jackson covers my song, Unstable... Should have picked someone yeah, else. Yeah. <laughs> <Which, laughs> you, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, if you if you cover my song, it's yeah. unstable. Yeah, you own the master, but I own the publishing. Yeah, right. So those are two different okay. types of yeah. of income streams. Um, if I sign and is he, a record deal? Sorry but, to interrupt. that. I was yeah. going to say, is the income stream the same on
2: both sides? Then. So would you get paid an equal amount if you own the master or the publishing? No. Okay.
1: So the way you get paid on the master side is uh, if the song is used uh, on a streaming platform. If someone buys the record from like iTunes or you know a shop. Um, if it's used in an advert, um, normally it's 50-50. So that is the only time, pretty much, okay. when it's equal. Um, if you write the song, you get paid from if the song is on radio again if it's on an advert that's that's the 50-50 thing um, and you get maybe like 15% of what the master owner would own uh, would get if it was on Spotify yeah. for example. Yeah. Um, so there's a big disparity between uh, what the master owner gets on a streaming platform and what a publishing wh- whoever owns a publishing would get on a, on, a, on a streaming platform and there's so many uh debates happening around that actually, mm. because so many songwriters aren't able to to have a decent living in the same way they they used to be because of
0: uh how how the streaming platforms divvy up uh, where the money goes. I want to reel uh, reel off a few kind of quick fire questions and kind sure. of get your thoughts or, or or opinions on a few of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, how does someone know when they're ready for management? Uh, I've had a manager from the
1: very beginning, and it's been—I I think it's been really useful. Um, you don't have the same manager now, do you? No, I, I, this is my third manager. Um, I think it's really, really important to have someone who shares, who shares your goal uh, along for the journey with you because you need... There's two different types of headspaces. One is the creative headspace and one is the business headspace. Both are really, really important. Both rely on each other. They, don't, they can't exist. Uh, well, they can, but it's not good if they exist separately. Um, I've been able to be creative in the studio because someone who's responsible has set up the studio session and thought about that proactively. Um, and I've been able to pay rent because someone has structured a deal on, on the music in such a way that I can earn a decent living off it. Um, it's, it's really important to, to have a manager. I, I, would just, I would just say, make sure you have an, a rough idea of what you'd like to do, to
0: have a goal in mind and make sure you're aligned with your goals well that kind of answers my next question which was going to be kind of what to look for in a manager if someone's looking at getting one but i think that's kind of a good
1: i think a general rule for what to look for in a manager and that will be the same in, in any business, is if you if you want them to do something ideally find someone who's done that thing before mm. um and if they haven't they need to have a really clear vision of what it is they're trying to do yeah. or pick someone who's so smart who asks all the right questions that you know they'll pick it up yeah. so quickly
0: if someone's not signed to a record label um and maybe they're not a singer at all maybe they're just a songwriter but for whatever reason they think they're a really really good songwriter mm-hmm. how do they write for other artists how do they get in the room with other artists if they don't have that connection
1: well you need to have some sort of connection so whether that's you going to like an open mic and write writing with people that you've met there um or for me it was great that i that was the benefit of having management is that they knew people who were working at these publishing companies who uh will set them up with set me up with with writers um to be honest so much of the music industry is it's a people industry
0: so ideally you want someone who has some some contacts um it's kind of essential actually. How does it feel to perform in front of fifty thousand people? And is that the most people you've ever performed in front of? No. The most people I've ever
1: performed in front of live was seventy thousand. Uh that was in uh Chicago. But then the most people I've ever performed
0: in front of in terms of like T V stuff was maybe fourteen million. And was that that right? was the King's coronation? Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, for anyone that didn't know, you played the King's Coronation, which is, that was my next question. So what was that like?
1: Uh, It's pretty awesome. Yeah. (laughs) How did that come about? I was sat on the sofa watching Desperate Housewives in my boxes, (laughs) and I get this call from my manager saying Freya Ridings pulled out of, you know, this coronation thing. Do you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, right. And this was three days before the the concert so oh, wow okay so I just learned the song I was gonna quickly. say because you
0: didn't know the song yeah did I didn't you? know the song
1: so I just learned the song as quickly as possible and um,
0: went straight to rehearsals that same day good and bad record deals thoughts how to avoid what to look for
1: if you're signing to a major assume that the advance is the last bit of money you'll ever get for that album because they're structured in a way where you'll it's so unlikely that you will recoup, recoup yeah. right um, if you if you want to sign to a major assume that the person you're working with may not be there in six months to a year so be okay with that that happened to me like I, I was in a record deal and everyone got fired and then you're kind of left with no one um, think about exactly what components of a record label you need and what you're willing to give up for that I think always think bigger picture because there's so many ways in which having someone who believes in you and as, and is investing in you will benefit so many other areas of, of your business whether that's you know live or publishing or merch um just try and think bigger
0: picture and think about yeah what you want to achieve lastly i wanted to touch on your craziest tour story because that's the stuff that always fascinates me about like people going on tour and things like that like what's the weirdest or wildest thing that's happened to you on tour
1: I proposed to my girlfriend on stage at a show.
0: Uh, that was pretty... Uh, that's pretty wild. That's pretty wild, <laughs> yeah. I uh, cried. You cried? I was, on the, I was there, but I, I was like... I didn't, I, was, I didn't know you cried. I did. But you know what's funny? It doesn't make you less of a man. You know that, right? I know that. Yeah. Thanks for saying it, though. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> no, what's funny is you were really pushy that I have to be there for that gig. So initially, right. that was what was really funny about it. Yeah. Before you go into that actual story... Yeah. Zach called me and was like, um, he was like, "Oh, dude, I'm doing a show at Coco on this day. Like, do you want to come?" And I was like, "Yeah, of course, man, I'll be there." And then he was like, "Cool." And then close to the time, he was like, "You're coming, right?" Yeah, you're definitely coming. (laughs) And I was like, "Yeah, I should be, man. Like, I think so." And then, and then I think I was like, oh, I might be able to make it. He's like, I really would, it would be good if you could make it. This is, and he kept framing it as like, I haven't played Coco in ages. It's such an important venue, which was all true. And I was like, all right, fine. So I went with my mate who didn't know Zach. Yeah. And then we're just up there. And then like, it happened yeah. at the, like near the end of the show, right before he did an encore. And I was like, oh my God, oh my God. Yeah. And I'm like screaming and I'm filming it. And, like, I've got a video to this I day to on my phone of you on stage. And I'm going, oh yeah. my God. Oh! Yeah. Just, <laughs> sick <laughs> but, yeah sick. imagine if i'd have been like ah, it's not a big of a deal man i'll yes. see i'll catch the next one you're like i, I really know. think you should come to this yeah so yeah dude talk about that i mean that's insane yeah
1: just uh i've been with her for a very long time and uh i knew it was probably gonna happen at some point i was like you know what why don't i do it in front of you know 1500 people yeah um she said she doesn't want to you know if it did happen she wouldn't want anything public so i was like right okay why don't i just do the opposite <laughs> and yes yeah, so I proposed on
0: stage <laughs> and uh, she said yes so nice that was good yeah so that's the craziest thing that's happened to you on tour But mm. like you've done yeah. have there been any like I don't know crazy fan things from tour
1: one of my favourite moments from the last tour I did was um in Bristol and there was this there was this woman from the crowd and uh, she challenged me to a dance off uh, while I was on stage and I don't know w- what it was in me that was like, uh, like the thought I should do it. But I, I was like, yeah, all right, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I invited her on stage and, um, you know, we had three rounds. Uh, one round was, uh, I think, the worm. She she started with the worm and absolutely smashed it. Um, I think she then went on to the robot. And then uh, there was a kind of like running man thing that she did afterwards. And she, she just smashed it. <laughs> um she destroyed me in the <laughs> she won she was victorious okay and i don't remember what her name was um but if she's watching this i, I want to send you lots and lots of love uh, well done for winning the contest but yeah for, for the tour i'm about to go on um i'm gonna do that again there's a there's a tune i did called dance with you uh, which i actually made with tom mish and um i think it could be the dance off song you're going to pick tour. a random person on the audience? So yeah, okay. yeah I, I'd like them to volunteer, okay. ideally. <laughs> you, dance! Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think I'll, yeah, I'll just pick someone who's who's volunteered yeah. to, to, to do a dance-off. And um, I think it could be a really, a really fun part of the show.
0: So if you come, if hang on, if someone comes to see Zach Abel on tour, yeah. you're going to do a dance-off with someone at each show? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And they'll probably win as well. Dude, that is insane. <laughs> when are you going on tour?
0: Um, it's from the
1: 29th of October to the 3rd of December. And where are you playing? All across uh, the UK and pretty much all across Europe as well, apart from a few places.
0: Yeah yeah dude. there's
1: still there's still tickets if you if you guys want to come you guys don't get free tickets just because we're friends yeah like, no, no, i wouldn't I, expect I, that you're running a business I'm here yeah. <laughs> business head yeah, yeah, yeah. That ground hard, floor podcast, yeah. right it's a business thing
0: <laughs> no. well guys you heard it here first if you want to watch him do a dance off on stage at literally every single show on tour go grab tickets to its tour um thanks for the plug man no no worries I, i'm gonna pay just to just to see that please do um dude thank you so much for coming here man um, We, before, we got- before sorry just before, yeah. before we wrap up I wanted to ask you actually I mean
2: just what would be let's say someone's listening to this that wants to that has an aspiration of being a singer was, um, I was literally a- no 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 not, no not the practical advice oh no not about practical advice okay. okay no 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 the practical side I mean yeah we'll kind of go into yeah, that yeah, yeah. but more just like just more more generally, like, what can they be doing to help them break into that world? Not just mm. one piece of practical advice, but in a world at the moment where everything's so saturated and over-saturated, over how can
1: someone really break into it? Saturate it some more. Okay. It's the only option you have. Um, what do you mean by that, exactly? So, you know, the, the, the temptation when you see loads of people being like, hi, I'm doing my thing I'm on TikTok, it's to be like, oh, I'm above that. You're not. I'm not. No one is. That is where people's attention is you know um everyone's on their phone and they're consuming content all the time and i think that's the direction that everything's going to go so i guess think okay you love making music but also ideally you want to make music and involve other people in it so it's like, okay where where is their attention and how can you entertain them slash connect with them in in, in in a medium that they want to connect with other people um so whether that is putting covers out on tiktok or instagram or um doing things that are, you know are fun like going out onto the street and singing people's songs you know w- whatever that looks like yeah. to
0: you um just go for it saturate it some more okay. saturate okay. it some more um dude uh yeah this has been awesome man i've been wanting this to happen for such a long time uh Final question we ask all all the guests on the show. Normally it's for people that are starting a business, but in this case I'll tweak it. Um, but we basically say, obviously the theme of the show is practical advice. So we literally ask people exactly how they did it. Um, and so on this, on this note, to anyone who is looking to become a musician or get into that world, if you could give them one piece of practical, actionable advice, you know, not like believe in yourself and all that kind of stuff, like something that they can actually use, what would you say? Um...
1: Put out music that you like, and collaborate as much as possible, and start a relationship with you and you know your your fans. You know the people that are responsible for your success or demise. You know um, it's super important that that is everything. You know you make music to connect with yourself and other people. And so just get started on that um, if you want to do it independently it will be the thing which allows you to have a business if you want it to do it with a major label or any other label it's a thing that they're going to be looking at when they're thinking do i want to work with this person
0: um, so yeah that, that that's the most important thing that's a really that's a really great piece of advice man um dude this has been such a long time coming it means so much to me that you're here and uh i'm going to pay you a compliment because there have been a lot of times in my life a number of times where I've been going through some stuff and mm-hmm. you've been one of the like most vocal voices oh, thanks, and man. you've said things like you know I can see it happening you just got to keep going and keep <laughs> pushing and you've been so supportive and so to you you are genuinely one of the most sincere and authentic and loyal friends anyone could ask for oh, um, thanks, man. and you're genuinely so hardworking, and you are so talented obviously but uh, I'm so proud of everything you're doing, man, and I just like I wish you nothing but success, and you deserve every bit of it. Thank you, dude. That's that's very very kind. I mean, same man. same applies to you. Love you, brother. Love you too, man. <laughs> Guys, amazing episode. Breakdown of the music industry. Um, oh, I'm not give a chance to plug. Say whatever you want in the camera. Where can people find you? Album, whatever. You
1: want. <laughs> um, so
0: my name done is, the stuffy is, stuff. Is <laughs> now down to business, baby? Yeah, exactly. Business, business. Uh,
1: <laughs> my name is Zach Abel. Z A K A B E L. <laughs> Singer songwriter from London. Um, 28 years old. You can find me on Insta, TikTok. Sounds no, like they can find you on LinkedIn. You can find me. You, you know what? I've never, I've never, ever been on LinkedIn. Have you not? No, I okay. do not have an You're account. Okay. I've never, I've never even found anyone there. Um, that's why he's so happy. Yeah, yeah, it probably is. Um, I've, I'm going on tour. Um, the dates that we said. Uh, yeah, those ones. Those yeah. ones. We'll put, we'll put the yeah.
0: dates on the yeah. screen below. Yeah. Okay,
1: here are my tour dates. Please enjoy. Um, and your album is out on Friday. Album's out on Friday. And um,
0: and the album's called...
1: And the album's called <laughs> Love Over Fear. This guy is so useful. It's really prompting me. Um, yeah, and, and guys, if, if you're watching this on my Insta, say say I post this clip. This is so weird talking about yeah. the future. Check these guys out for more of their amazing content, <laughs> more of their amazing podcasts and interviews. And if you want to learn something about anything, you never know. They may have had someone who's talking about that exact thing. What a plug. What, what a plug. plug.
2: What a plug. You've never had someone <laughs> plug the podcast, <laughs> ever. And that's- <laughs> That convincingly as well. Yeah, I know,
0: <laughs> that's amazing. Shout out Zach, shout out Skeethe, shout out Producer Barney. Guys, amazing episode. Please do subscribe, turn on post notifications and like the video and comment. Cause we'll be in the comments, we'll be everywhere. Review it, rate it, you know the drill. Zach, thank you so much for being here man. It's been amazing. So. Share it,
1: share it with your friends, with your grandma, with your grandpa, with your dog share it okay we're signing off now signing (laughs) off see you in the next one (laughs)